Welcome to the Self-Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. I am the author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap, and the creator of the Codependency Cure and Hitch Trauma Resolution Treatment Programs. If you identify with codependency, which I renamed the Self-Love Deficit Disorder, or you're caught in the crosshairs of narcissistic abuse or gaslighting, you've come to the right place. Expect the very best information that I know, whether from my own personal journey of recovery or through my 35 years of professional experience. What separates my work from others is my understanding of the origin of the problem, the solutions, and the necessity to take responsibility for one's broken picker that always points them to the dream of the soulmate, but the nightmare of the cellmate. So join my self-love recovery community and set your sights on the cure, self-love abundance. I want to look at living with an, an, not getting away from, which I mean, you know, mostly a lot of people are hoping to get away from, but what does it look like to live with a narcissistic personality disorder? Because there are a lot of people out there who are listening, who are looking at their relationships, who might be saying, you know, my partner's a real ass or my partner's a this or my partner's a that. But they're not putting it all together to say, oh, maybe my partner's actually a narcissistic personality disorder, right? right. Um, and when once they start looking into it a little bit, they come and they're like, aha, aha, that looks like what it is. So what does it actually look like to live with an NPD? You know, let me let me start off by telling you a story. Okay. There was a discussion I had with a client and she, and she says, I bet you caused tons of divorces. And and I thought about it and I said, oh, yeah, I bet I have, but I don't even want to try to count. And then I began to explain something to her. And I said, you know, I don't want to end any relationship. But if you look at my human magnet syndrome theory and my continuum, the continuum or basically the human magnet syndrome says if you're a codependent or what I call self-love deficient, then you will almost always reflexively and automatically be attracted to someone who has a personality disorder, right? such as someone with narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, or borderline personality disorder. And by definition, all people with personality disorders don't really believe they have a problem, except for one, and and, and that would be sociopaths, but let's right. not get off track. But they don't believe they have a problem. They blame others for their problem. And anytime they talk about their problems, they're really putting it on other people. We call that projection and they don't know right. it. So if you are SLD or codependent and you have a partner who has a personality disorder, they are not going to get better. And should you say, contact me and want to be a client of mine? And you have this idea that, you know, it might be better for the kids if we stay together. Right. Um, oh, by the way, a quick joke. So uh, this 90-year-old uh, pair of uh, this man and woman are in front of divorce court and judge. And and they're old and frail. They're both like in walkers. And the, the, the judge goes, I can't believe you guys have been married 70 years and now you want a divorce. And they said, yeah, we were waiting for our kids to die. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So I actually said that to one person and they uh -huh. looked at me horrified. Everyone else tends to laugh. But the point of that joke is that if you're an SLD 
codependent, which means you have a serious problem. You have learned to put on a back shelf anything that you want, deserve, any of your joys, fantasies, because one, the narcissist uh, with the personality disorder can't and won't let you do that, or there are consequences. So if you are asking me what happens when a client comes to me and says, I want help with my SLDD, my codependency, I say, I give my, what I call my Serbian general's warning, you know, like in a pack of cigarettes. Right. Yeah, I, say, I, do I, say, too. I do too. <laughs> I say, should you proceed? You know, because they need to know there's a high probability that your desire to keep your relationship intact will fall apart, right. that you will come to realize that there is absolutely no form of compatibility or a compromise where you can live in joy and happiness and be with the narcissist right. because they're not compatible. Right. The more joy and happiness you have, the more insecure the narcissist has. And if you are joined in, in a committed relationship, that narcissist consciously, unconsciously has to disable, neutralize, or destroy that. So ultimately what happens is the ones that don't believe me, who are willing to be open to it, find out that there is no sustainability of a relationship in which they're happy and independent. Right. So for people who are married, who are in romantic relationships, and they say, well, and I get this question a lot, and usually they are not people that have followed me, read my material. Right. They said, what do I have to do in order to be happy, find what I call self-love abundance, which is a cure to codependency or self-love deficit disorder? How can I do that and be married to a, a narcissist? And I say just plainly, you cannot because you guys unknowingly are tied together like an umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. There is an umbilical cord tying the narcissist to you. Just like a mother and her child, the baby lives off the mother's life source. And without her life source, the baby would sadly not make it. Mm -hmm. Every woman will tell you what that takes from their body and their own health. Mm -hmm. And so the narcissist either consciously knows this, but mostly unconsciously knows that they cannot survive without the psychological life source of their partner, the codependent. And that makes them a scavenger and a parasite. Mm -hmm. And according to family systems theory, by the way, all of this is explained in my book, and there's no way I can do all of this. But according to family systems theory, relationships tend to want to stay stable, whether they're healthy ones or unhealthy ones. Right. And should codependent, the SLD rock the boat and choose to get healthy and succeed at that, the narcissist will unconsciously and consciously be so threatened Yes, because what they don't know is they have more shame and fear of loneliness than the SLDs or codependents. Right. Which it's amazing. It's actually amazing to see. And I give the same warning label when I when a codependent lands up in my office and, you know, often, I mean, it could be a he or she, but let's say in this case is she, um, and she wants, like, what can I do to make it better? What can I do? You know, sometimes they bring in the partner, but forget it. It never works with the partner. So I, I help them. I said, I can help you out of that codependency. I can help you focus on mm -hmm. you, the self-love and all of that. 
but there's a warning. The better you, you know, as you learn to set boundaries and as you learn to do things for yourself, your partner's going to freak out. Like it's going, right. you're, you're going to get, like, it's not going to help the couple. It is going to damage the couple. I mean, exactly. couples already, you know, it's all, they're no, already, no, it's just gonna anyway. it. but yeah, exactly. So that is the warning. And now I'm going to ask you point form. Okay. What okay. would somebody look for? Like, give me like the five things or something like that, where, uh, you know, somebody is living with an, like, how would they know that this is what they're living in? Well, the, the, you know, I failed uh, chemistry in high school, but I remembered the litmus test. And it's a piece of paper uh-huh. where you dip into a liquid, and if there's an alkali, more alkali content, it's one color. If it's more acetic, it's another color. Right. So, I, uh, so it's met, it's used as a as an, a metaphor, as a quick test of something. Good. The, Give it to me. The best test, if someone is a pathological narcissist, is to say, without a hostile, angry, mean face, say. I completely disagree. In other words, give a narcissist direct constructive feedback. And um, and should they deny it, get angry about it, or blame you? That's one uh, litmus I'm test. Like mm-hmm. Another litmus test, and I'll just give you two, and something that's going on in the house that you know, there's no shadow of a doubt that it's a narcissist's fault. And ask them, so whose fault do you think that is? Um, they will immediately blame another person while making themselves the victim. So those are two tests that you can, that a person can actually do, which I love. Like you're giving an actual tool, which is non-threatening, but, you know, can really give you that. Um, What other signs should people look for? Maybe not an action like you just described, but just signs that they may be living with a narcissist. Okay, uh, one is, uh, the best sign is, are you happy? If you ask yourself honestly, do I feel unconditionally loved? L-R-C-T, love, respected, cared for, and trusted. Is there a fair distribution of this? Right. L-R-C-T. And a person who is an SLD will always say no. Those four words define codependency or SLDD. Uh, But if they ask themselves, am I in a relationship in which I feel there's some fair distribution of love, respect, caring, and trust, and they say no, that means more than any ability to discern the diagnostic symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder, which, by the way, are grandiosity, entitlement, selfishness, egotism, vanity, um, poor social skills, extreme sensitivity to, um, to a critical criticism. Those are harder to see when you're blinded. Right. But, but the SLD can see more of themselves. And that is, is the best way to find out if, if your partner is pathologically narcissistic or seriously narcissistic. And the gaslighting too. Like, you know, oh, yes. over time, they feel like They've been led to believe if they did something different or if they change or if they, you know, it's all. Or they are the narcissist. Yeah. You know, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, do you think I'm a narcissist? I'd be a wealthy (laughs) man. And if there, if if there is talking about litmus tests, the litmus test for codependency is asking that question. Maybe I am right. A narcissist can never even think of being a narcissist. The idea of it is upsetting. 
right. everyone else's. <laughs> they would never ask me. They don't get. They don't care what other people think. Whereas the SLD is worried about what people think. Yeah, and they also don't necessarily. They are. They're also the ones who don't go to therapy. They're the ones who will yeah. say therapists are all this way, or ah, she's just a man hate. I'm a, I can't tell you how many times I heard it. She's just a feminist, and she, you know, that's why <laughs> like gaslighting me, you know. So yes. anyway, that, that does happen. So here's another question for you. Why mm-hmm. do you think, um, and maybe this is you know simple for us to understand as therapists, but why do people stay so long in these relationships? Um, SLDD or codependency is not created and sustained because you, um, you don't know any better, that you're making mistakes, you're making bad judgments. It's created by the sum total of experiences in your life, but more specifically, your childhood experiences at the most vulnerable and important parts of your development are crushed by being raised by a narcissist and a codependent or an SLD parent. Mm -hmm. And we call that attachment trauma. And that attachment trauma is the cause or the basis of codependency. It is so difficult. And this is how I came to my book and created my self-love recovery treatment program. It is impossible to solve codependency as most people know it if you only work at the symptoms you know you take care of people you love too much you can't set boundaries Mm -hmm. say you're sorry too much it never works because those are just symptoms it is the foundation and the foundation is at the very center of your personality some of which you can't even get to consciously the attachment trauma creates everything you understand and know about relationships, uh, what I call in my book, the relationship template. And chemistry is what we all know about. That is when we meet a person and we get a feeling if it's right. Well, the human magnet syndrome um, responds to chemistry. The narcissist feels comfortable with the codependent. The codependent feels Mm -hmm. comfortable with the narcissist. My whole book is about that. So if all you know is how to take care of others while uh, pushing down your own needs or know of being hurt, abused, neglected, and not doing anything, the idea of being with a person who's healthy, it paradoxically makes you nervous and scares you. Right. People go for what's familiar, and for the SLD or codependent, the familiar is paradoxically safe. So that is why this relationship template moves forward from childhood to adulthood and is resistant to psychotherapy. Right. Well, part of it is it's hard to extricate when this is your this is who you've always been, right? Yeah. And like you said, you become it, you you're not aware that this is going on. You're just acting right. the way you're primed to act, you know? This is how you were made in a way and created exactly. to to act in this way until you realize how miserable you are until you know all of that then you start digging and then you start looking so here here's a situation so a woman says i uh i've been you know i've always gone after narcissists i've always been hurt it's always this way and uh and and i'm just not attracted to the nice guy what do i do if i'm not attracted to them what do you answer them gosh i'm gonna get i'm, I'm gonna give my dr phil uh how's that working <laughs> for you now, I don't really ever yes, say how's that. How's that working for yeah, you? Exactly. I, I, yeah, I have a much more empathetic delivery of that, but but, but I don't. <laughs> or I might say, um, so what? At what cost? 
Right. That was um, what have you sacrificed? And the problem with those questions to the um, the person that says, "Well, you know, I'm just that way, and and that's how I am," and I say, "Well, okay, that's fine," but does that also mean you're unhappy, chronically neglected, abused, marginalized? So if you're saying I'm just attracted to narcissists, then you, are you also saying, well, I'm just unhappy all the time, lonely? I said, do they mean the same? And if I say that, well, and it doesn't, you know, which I usually do because I'm like you, a therapist, and people go, well, I never thought of it that way. Then, then I would say, well, your attraction patterns drive you and make you believe it's good. But in reality, you're not. Therefore, there's something that goes beyond your conscious awareness that we have to look at that's the part that needs attention. And of course you don't get it. That's that's why you keep making the same mistakes. That's right. <laughs> so are there dangers of leaving such a relationship? The danger for relieving a relationship is not to prepare for it because the most humiliating, soul-crushing experience is to finally reach the last straw of the camel's back and say, I'm out of here, and not know that SLDD is an addiction. It's a it's a predictable addiction. Mm-hmm. And it, it and once you stop the source, the drug, which is the relationship, the relationship keeps the, the withdrawal symptom of pathological loneliness at bay. And once you experience pathological loneliness, whether you smoke cigarettes, which would be nicotine addiction, alcohol, everything goes crazy in your brain and it does everything to sabotage you. It's the nature of an addiction. Well, SLDD addiction is the same. Then you find yourself going through mental and emotional gymnastics to explain to yourself why you should go back. And if that is the case, the very best way to solve this problem is to teach people. And, and in my 11-stage program, the second stage is to give information and teach, is to teach these people what is SLDD, uh, what will happen if you leave, and, and what will happen to the narcissist. So I call that predictive awareness. So the short answer is the problem that they have is bigger than they know, and, and have them not do anything they're not prepared for and wait until they know they can successfully do it. At which time, the knowledge, the ability, the, the emotional health, and the resources are set in place. Right. Uh, of course, unless they're being they're physically in harm's way or. or oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, right? that's, that's, oftentimes, that's unfortunately yeah. sometimes how it goes because the yeah. narcissist is going to try any which way to hold on. There's so much to discuss when it comes to this, but you know, we're going to keep doing this every few months or so because people, they relate to it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of this going around. So I refer people to the human magnet syndrome. It is the book. And if you want more information, selfloverecovery.com. Ross, always a pleasure talking with you. Well, thank you. And I look forward to the next discussion. And just one last reminder. Whenever I have a discussion with you, it's not about narcissism codependency. It's about recovery and overcoming it. And so I hope that people can find a way to overcome the problems, but you first have to understand them. Right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, 
despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.